Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Periodic Table, episode 18, Fart-Free Beef, recorded March 29th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementsopie.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Periodic Table once again, episode 18. Therefore, we tell you that the 18th element in the Periodic Table is argon, one of the so-called noble gases, colorless, odorless, and uh, only um, very scarce in the environment, in the atmosphere itself. It, uh, the, the noble gases are not known to respond to any, any uh, other chemical compounds, hence the name noble, which is a contrast to chlorine last week, which uh, re- reacts with just about everything. So there you go. There's our science for the night. Yay. <laughs> I feel ever so slightly more intelligent. <laughs> and my name is Mark, and that uh, sarcastic voice you just heard is uh, Sean. Hey, Sean. Hey, it's great to be here as usual. And this week, uh, we uh, were running short of hosts, so we, we brought up listeners. So we have uh, Jim Beeson, who was with us last week, the redneck geek. Hey, Jim. Hey, how's it going? And a man who was so... Uh, Comfortable being our uh, Tightwad Tech listener spotlight uh, last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. He's decided to come back and be on this show, Mr. Chuck Jolly, known as Nightstar in the chat room. Hey, Chuck. Hey, how y'all doing? Glad to have you here. So uh, I literally, like five minutes before the show started, okay, five minutes before the show was supposed to start, um, I uh, typed in the chat room, hey, I've got room for an extra host. Who wants on? And Chuck said, I'm game. So that's the kind of listeners we have here on this show. Uh, those of you watching in the live stream, all uh, one of you, no, uh, actually there's quite a few, will see that we are in, <laughs> I am in PodPod 2.0. It is still not entirely finished. If I move my camera around, you will see some untreated walls still to go, but um, it's better. I have behind me some acoustical treatments. It sounds way better. I did uh, a couple of shows this week after we had just moved in and the sound was bouncing around like a ping pong, ping pong ball. Um, or maybe more like a racquetball on a racquetball court. It was really very warm. So, uh, I did the tightwad thing and I went and got some, um, um, bedding, some, some of that, uh, uh, egg crate bed stuff from Walmart and, and put that on the walls. And amazingly it made a huge difference. So, uh, there you go. It's, uh, like nine bucks for a full size sheet of it. And each one of those covers a panel. I bought all they had. I'll let them restock. I'll go back and buy all they have again. Let them restock and go back all they have again. <laughs> and in a couple of months, I'll have everything soundproofed. But uh, amazingly, oh, that, it works. That's right, Mark. You don't have very many Walmarts in your neck of the woods, do you? <laughs> well, they're you know, I, I'm just I could drive 20 minutes there. I could drive 20 minutes in any direction and hit a Walmart, but I just went to the one in town. Okay. So uh, welcome to Pod Pod 2.0. I like it. I don't really care if you do. <laughs> oh, in that case. So, uh, don't, careful, Jim. I can mute you at any time. Uh, <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> anybody else have anything to uh, to uh, prattle on about before we hit the uh, weird news of the week? Not here. Pretty boring week for me. Right. Just for the oh. record, this wasn't supposed to be the weird news of the week show. It just sort of turned into that. Just want to go on record as saying that's not how we started out. I think those are the best shows. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy it. 
It's just, uh, it was supposed to be, and sometimes we are serious, but it was supposed to be a topical show and it's turned into a more of a topical ointment. <laughs> well, it makes, it makes you feel more normal. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yeah. By, by looking at the weirdness of other people, it makes you feel more normal. That's why Jerry Springer was so popular. <laughs> Okay, so uh, it wouldn't be an episode of the periodic table without some news from the mullets. We haven't had any yes. of the Amish. Um, well, I think they were called the Amish 12, but we're going to have to up that number now. Now the Amish women are getting involved. A federal grand jury has indicted uh, uh, four, new, four more women uh, to now have a total of six women. So 16 people total, 10 men and six women. Um, uh, four new defendants were named Lovina Miller, Catherine Miller, Emma Miller, and Elizabeth Miller. They'd not previously been, previously been charged. They're all married to nephews of Samuel Mutt, the ringleader of the attacks. So there you go. Not only did the men break in and, and uh, commit hate crimes by cutting beards, the women did as well. The assaults... Yeah. You know, uh, but I read this and, uh, it mentioned that, uh, some, some women had their hair cut too. So it wasn't just, uh, something that was done to the men. So I'm thinking maybe there, this is kind of a new facet that we haven't talked about before where it was like women on women, uh, happening. Women on women <laughs> you had to go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Shad's favorite. Never mind. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, very interesting. Yeah. And they also, uh, added some charges for, uh, uh, what they were basically trying to cover up the crime, disposing of evidence and things like that. Uh, so yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, they, the men did it and the women covered for them, which is, you know, uh, that's what women do except, uh, and unless you're a pants manufacturer, in which case the women are supposed to wash your pants. Um, one of my favorite lines of the article is the assault involves scissors and battery powered clippers. How very non Amish, uh, to forcibly cut or shave the beard hair of the male victims and the head hair of the female victims. They also used eight inch horse mane shears sharp enough to cut through leather, according to the indictment. So this was serious. Yeah, I just, I wonder, you know, they, in there they quote uh, kind of a line from the law and it talks about, uh, you know, for it to be a hate crime, it has to be uh, inflicting bodily injury uh, based off of uh, knowledge or supposed knowledge of somebody's uh, religious beliefs. And, I mean, I know it says some of them were injured, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, does getting your hair cut qualify as being injured uh well you know there's all sorts of things that count as injury you know people have all sorts of pain and suffering uh, well no things, no but know? this specifically says bodily harm yeah. so i just yeah. i just wonder you know I, not to say, i'm not body. trying to defend like you know what they did was okay i just wonder you know legally if that's gonna stand up or not I think it's more the religious basis because of the beard that that that's part of the Amish nature. They all of them, most of the grown men have them. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly understand that. But, you know, the, the law that they keep citing says that they actually, you know, had to have created bodily harm. And I don't know. I mean, that's kind of what I'm asking. Do you think that, you know, having your hair cut against your will qualifies as bodily harm? I mean, just seems weird to me. 
Yeah, but there's all garbage. sorts of things in the legal system that seem weird. I think it's interesting that a group of Amish men broke into houses and cut beards, and this is what you think is weird. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I like to jump to the obscure. <laughs> I mean, there's like this big pile of weird stacked up like leaves on a fall lawn, and that's what the the one you pick. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, if it if this case happened in Florida, then I wouldn't think it was weird. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Professor Messer's not in the chat. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, I think he was earlier. Yeah, he's in. Yeah, there. I see, I'm seeing him there. So, James, oh. would this sort of thing go on in Florida, and nobody would think twice about it? Uh, <laughs> I represent that statement. He says. <laughs> Okay, next story. Moving on. This was is one that uh, I find because I work in schools, I tend to look at uh, uh, school news, and this one I find bizarre and just wrong on almost every level. A high school senior was expelled for tweeting profanity. Okay, that part is not so bad. But when you read the story, you find out that uh, the uh, um, the young man in Garrett, Indiana. Um, tweeted at 2.30 a.m. from his home and was expelled for it. His tweet was um, heavily edited. F is one of those effing words you can effing put anywhere in an effing sentence, and it still effing makes sense. Not only is that uh, uh, grammatically correct, it's true. <laughs> so, so he was sitting up late one night. You know, two, I'm trying to find exactly what time it was. It was like 2.45 a.m., I think it was, and tweeted this. And when he got to school the next day, the police came and threw him out of school. Wow. Yeah. that You know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on right now. And, uh, you know, I, I, it just, it makes me sick. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that uh, I, I think falls well outside of what schools should be responsible to. I mean, they're not responsible to, right. to do this, but, um, you know, anything that happens outside of school time and property, uh, I mean, if the school becomes aware of it, then either A, if they broke the law, then you forward it on to the authorities, or right. B, if it's not breaking the law, but you think it's something that's maybe disciplinary, uh, you forward it on to the parents. Now, the school says the tweet came from one of their IP addresses, and that's why they think it matters. Um, the student says it didn't, and the timestamp from Twitter would certainly indicate, I mean, what, what high school senior is going to be at school at 2.30 in the morning tweeting? Hey, I'm just going to go up to school and tweet for a while. Um, maybe, maybe this kid's really smart and he's gaming the school district. I mean, you could, uh, I know with my Hootsuite account, I could log into a district computer, log into my Hootsuite account, schedule a tweet, and then leave that. I don't know. Hootsuite would probably time out, you know, several hours later. But I mean, technologically, it may have been possible for him to set this all up as just kind of a, uh, you know, gaming the district. Now, he's not a model student by any means. He was already in the alternative education program. He, he was already sort of on the three strikes list. Uh, question in the chat room, was it a private school? No, it's a, a regular public high school, Garrett High School, um, in uh, Garrett High School in Garrett, Indiana. Um, and the principal uh, claims their system tracks all tweets on Twitter. And when a student logs in, meaning if, even if he did tweet it from home, their system could have recognized it when he logged in again at the school. 
Ah, yeah. So, okay. So he logs into Twitter from school the next day. It loads up his feed. Right. And they capture it that way. Huh. Interesting. Mm. I, wow. That brings up a whole other issue. I mean, they, they're literally uh, basically spying on their feeds. I mean, I, now maybe this is a school, I, the story doesn't say, maybe it's a one-to-one -one program and they hand out laptops, in which case often those school, those uh, computers are routed mm -hmm. to go back through the school's filters wherever they go. So maybe that was a situation. Maybe that's why it shows up as a school IP because it actually went through their proxy. But, you know, again, I got to go to the timestamp. I think that supersedes all others. That makes this a parent issue, whether it right. was on a school laptop or not. Yeah, that that's kind of goes back to what I say. I mean, this, he didn't break the law, so then uh, the school should just, you know, forward it on to the parent. It's for the parent to deal with however they feel is appropriate. It wasn't defamatory. Now, there's another story I didn't put in the rundown about an English uh, student who was arrested for defamatory tweeting, I think he was English, uh, about a, a soccer player. Uh, but that, that in that case, it was, you know, it was uh, libel or slander, whichever those is in print. So, you know, that that's one of those things where I didn't put it in the show because it was kind of one of those things where he was totally justified. He um, said some things that, according to the law, you can't say. But this kid used the F word, which last I checked, unless you're on a public television is not illegal. And even on public <laughs> television is not illegal. It's against regulations. There's a difference. Yeah. You know, the only thing that I would think is that, uh, I could see them taking the laptop. If it was a school laptop away from him because he violated the acceptable use policy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, block his account, take away his access. That's what we would do at our school. We would just say no tech for you. Uh, we would go soup Nazi on him. Um, uh, but to, you know, to have him hauled off by the police, seems more than a little ridiculous. I wonder. I, and I, <laughs> Professor Messer in the chat room says, this will teach student school, uh, the student school from using the F word, disaster averted. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yeah. No student will ever use the F word again. At least for the day. <laughs> no, they didn't even make it the day. Now, when I, when I went, to, went to school, we didn't have uh, ISD police. You know, if there was a problem, you just called the regular police. And so I don't have a whole lot of experience dealing with school district police, but I have to wonder if in some cases they, uh, cause they don't have a whole lot to do in some of these districts, they make things to do. They get big headed or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't know about that. All right. So moving on this next story, uh, was interesting because it was a role reversal. This is a situation where the, the passengers on a plane subdued the pilot and locked him in the cabin. Was oh, that jet blue, the yes. jet blue thing? Yes. Uh, oh, apparently yeah. the pilot had some sort of mental breakdown. He's, he's undergoing treatment right now, but, um, uh, captain of flight, a uh, one ninety one of jet blue was acting erratic outside the cap cap cockpit and could be heard shouting about uh, Al Qaeda and bombs being abort. Um, a passenger, uh, eventually the passengers decided that there was an issue and they tackled him, basically bum rushed him, locked him in the cockpit. Um, and I don't know how they landed the point. The co-pilot was there. <laughs> I should have finished the reading of the story. I didn't read all of it. Yeah. The co-pilot landed the okay, plane. Okay. That's right. So they locked him out of the cockpit is what it was not in the cockpit. <laughs> so, uh, the, the captain tried to reenter the lock cockpit, but a security code, uh, appeared to have been uh, changed. So the co-pilot inside 
change the locks. And uh, so the pilot, the the passengers basically sat on this guy, restrained him until the pilot, the co-pilot could land the plane. If this is the article I saw, there was actually there was also an off-duty pilot on there on that plane that they helped, that helped land it. Yes, uh, as well, well. As a crew member. Yeah, one uh, said uh, passengers and six crew members, one of whom was off-duty. Um, the uh, the co-pilot was concerned that the flight. Uh, was underway, and the captain exhibited erratic behavior. Captain left the cockpit during the flight, and the co-pilot locked the door. Then when the pilot, pilot tried to get back in, they found his security code had been um, changed. Um, so um, he b- began banging on the door and b- demanding to be let back inside. Then the passengers uh, subdued him, bum-rushed him, uh, locked him down. So... Uh, you know, I hope he's get getting treatment. I hope it's okay. I know being a pilot is an incredibly stressful job, uh, almost as bad as being an air traffic controller. And I hope the guy's okay. But what's funny about that story is that it's such a, a role reversal. The, the pilots are supposed to be, you know, the 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 guys in the cockpit. That's why they lock the cockpits, right? So that the pilot can be safe in there. In this case, the uh, the the pilot was locked out of the cockpit. Good thing there were co-pilots. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that uh, this this flight was headed to Vegas. <laughs> so, I mean, if and, you're on that flight, you're going to Vegas and all that goes down. I mean, do you just not gamble? Well, here's what I'm thinking. It, 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 had it landed in Vegas, we'd never know about it because what happens there stays there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only reason we heard about it at all. Because it never actually landed in Vegas. It was diverted. Yeah, the part I thought was interesting is he just happened to be on a flight full of People going to an international security conference. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. (laughs) Well, and and didn't the airline notice that, well, he was an hour late and already agitated? Uh, Shouldn't somebody there notice something about this that maybe he shouldn't have been? (laughs) Maybe that happens more often than we might think among pilots. Maybe so. Or maybe they're so short-staffed that they just, you know, if you show up not drunk. You get on the plane. I don't know. Getting drunk is what happens in flight. Um, I've read that modern planes, however, could be landed entirely from the ground by air traffic control now. So uh, that you wouldn't actually have to do the old movie thing where you talk a passenger into how to land the plane. They could all be done through GPS and remotes. So maybe they weren't in as much danger as you might think. Well, yeah, but I don't know if they, you know, a pilot might have the ability to override that system. I mean, that would be the scary thing. Because, uh, yeah, I've seen pilots quote where, you know, they're like, you know, you can pretty much, uh, the plane can land itself. You just let it go in uh, autopilot and it, it can it can actually land the plane. But I'm I'm guessing a captain could probably sit there and push some button and, you know, drive that thing into the ground. Yeah, I, I, that's that was what they were concerned about. It's like if uh, he might think he was doing a, a service you know if he thought there were bombs on the plane and he thought he was being hijacked he might crash it thinking that was the right thing to do now these auto these auto landing things they're on linux aren't they <laughs> <laughs> probably probably are. i hope it's not hopefully. windows i hope it's, i don't want the blue screen because if it's a mac <laughs> you'd have to hit command alt f control q uh, to turn it on and nobody would ever remember that Exactly. Well, and if it was if it was uh, uh, Windows, then we'd have planes crashing all over the place. Yeah. 
Okay, so the next story I'm calling How to Make Sure You Never Get a Date. And actually, it's very cool, but it's also very undate worthy. Um, a group of high school teens um, from Texas, uh, mind you, if I, if I remember that right, um, have built uh, a or are in the process of building a, a, rep, a 3D replica of a Viper from the Battlestar Galactica series, the, the new series. So they've got, they've rigged it up on this uh, six degrees of freedom gimbal so it can spin around. And when you control it, you know, you can fly and you can spin. And they're going to have, uh, uh, they're using uh, Linux based open source uh, flight simulator software. They're going to hack that to make it look like you're flying in space. You're going to have uh, multiple monitors throughout the window. They've started a kickstart program. To, uh, to get the money. This is all for the Maker Fair this year, the 2012 Maker Fair in, uh, in California. So it's really cool. Yeah, they're, uh, they're in the Bay Area, so they're, they're up okay. near San Francisco. All right. Yeah, so uh, th- th- it is cool, but these guys are, you know, they're high school, like freshmen through seniors, and this is what they're doing, which means they're never going to get a date ever. Um, yeah, that's okay though, because they're also going to be like the, the next Steve Jobs and, you know, uh, Bill Gates and, you know, 10 years from now, we'll be talking about how they're billionaires. Right, right. And then they can and have all they the women. The girls. They, no, actually, <laughs> right. st- still not even now. The future Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> I can clone my own Spock. Uh, so yeah, it, uh, it I've, I've, I'll put the link in the notes and I've put it in the, in the show notes there. Uh, I mean, in the chat room for the people watching live. So check out the video. It's really cool. Uh, but, uh, it's also uber geeky. Okay. Next on the list, we have, um, something that I don't get, frankly, and I'm hoping you guys can help me out. Uh, uh, uh representative Bobby rush, uh, yesterday, I guess it was, Yes. Um, uh, went to the floor of the House of Representatives. Uh, he's from Illinois, uh, wearing a hoodie. Now, I, I, again, I'm not I'm not up on news, but apparently there was somebody killed, and the police were looking basically for anybody in a hoodie. So they're they're saying it's racial profiling, and so this guy, he was a black senator from Illinois, decided he was going to wear a hoodie during his um, two minute speech. And he was going to talk about how racial profiling is wrong because you shouldn't look at people on a hoodie and that shouldn't even be part of your consideration. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, Mark, so much- that was actually about the Trayvon Martin okay. uh, thing because apparently Trayvon wore a hoodie uh, okay. that night. Yeah, I don't. So yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah. Plus the the picture that they love to put out there of him, or one of the pictures, other than the ones like baby cute baby pictures and stuff, where he's a kid and looks all sweet and nice, uh, is uh, is uh, him wearing a hoodie. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mark, you're still you're you're, you're still pretty much right on. I mean, it, it's basically speaking out against r- racial right. profiling. Now, I'm just going to plead ignorance. I've been building a studio for the last week, and I haven't looked at any news or done anything other than the weird news for the show. So I don't know who Trayvon Martin is or, or what that's about. But um, so here's the deal: he goes to the House of Represent. The House of Representatives has a rule in place that you may not wear anything on your head. That's the rule, whether you like it or not. That's the rule. So during his speech. He takes off his suit coat, revealing there's a, a hoodie, hooded sweatshirt underneath, pulls the hoodie on. The Speaker of the House 
the, remember this guy's a Democrat from Illinois. Speaker of the House is a Republican or the acting speaker at the time anyway. Um, uh, calls him, says you're out of order. He won't stop. You're out of order. He won't stop. The the member is no longer recognized, which means sit the f down. That's that's parliamentary speak for you're about to get booted out of here. And he wouldn't do it. And he kept, he was quoting scripture while he was doing this. And so finally, the sergeant at arms, a couple of bailiffs, essentially forcibly remove this old black man. So that's the story you hear in the news: angry Republicans forcibly throw old black man Democrats out of the house. But the real story is he broke the rules. He flouted the rules intentionally, knowing what the rules were. He was reminded of what the rules were. The speaker said, uh, article, something, whatever, whatever, told him, this is what you're not allowed to do. Uh, and he knew that. And so I, I just want to make sure that uh, when we tell this story, we tell the right story. He, he protested, right? Okay, I, I'm fine with that. And, and I agree with his point. Racial profiling, yada, yada, yada. I, I, I'm not arguing any of that. But the fact is, he did what he knew was wrong and and was uh, given the prescribed punishment for doing that. So that's my, my take on it. You know, Mark, when I heard this story, I uh, remembered the discussion we had last week when you made the comment about uh, when Ronald Reagan was president and that he actually respected the office and showed up for work every day in a suit and tie. And, you know, this to me, it was a continuation of that discussion where you you have more people now that don't respect, you know, the the uh, the rules, whether they agree with them or not. They they don't show respect for them, and that's why, in my mind, that's why so many people are so disgusted with politicians in general. Yeah, you know, if he want you know if he wanted to make his point, he could have stood outside on the steps of Capitol Hill and probably gotten a lot more pub. Than, than he did in there no, because you would have I, I had don't agree news with media. I don't agree with that because the news media is going to jump on to a story of a little old black man being thrown out of the house. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, and that's exactly what he was going after. He knew when he did that that it was going to garner some uh, some media attention, and that's exactly what he was going for. And interesting. And basically, all he's trying to do is is uh, jump onto the you know kind of latch onto the band bandwagon. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're uh, you know some politician out there and you're worried about whether or not you're going to be reelected in your district or whatever, uh, then you know if this is going to garner some approval with your constituents, then you do it. Right. And you know, Nancy I mean, Pelosi, I, the the former Speaker of the House, a Democrat, went on record as saying. He should have been thrown out. That they that the speaker did the right thing because a member broke the rules and they should have been uh, dealt with accordingly. So just just so you know, one of the highest ranking Democrats in in the the government agreed with the action that was taken. I'm glad to hear that. Well, the other thing I'm I find surprised. interesting is is below that you see John Conyers, the founding member of the Congressional Black Caucus, didn't back him up either. He agreed with the House Speaker. Right. So, you know, that makes me feel, and I think the reason is, they know that someday somebody may try to pull some per procedural trick on them, and they want to be able to slam the rule book in their face. So this isn't about doing the right thing. This is about protecting your ability to slap somebody down later. And and I'm fine with that. That's what rules are for. Well, yeah, especially 
in the House of Representatives. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, if you don't do that, you I think we've all seen like the the world's wildest videos and stuff like that. And you see like in Thailand and they have an all out melee in their, you know, uh, uh you know, similar uh house or uh parliament or whatever they call it. And you know, people are throwing chairs and uh, all kinds of crazy stuff and uh yeah, I mean, if you can't aggressional cage match says James uh, <laughs> right. in the If you can't keep some sort of some form of decorum uh, uh, in you know what essentially is uh you know hallowed ground uh at least supposedly let's get uh, ready to rumble <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of fun to watch though wouldn't it only once and then <laughs> then it would be okay okay i i think i'm done with that story um <laughs> this one i'm calling the dog is his own best friend uh, this is a story out of England. Um, a uh, a dog was a puppy uh, named George the Basset Hound. Uh, knocked his owner uh, owner's home phone on the ground. It was playing with the cord when he wrapped the cord around his neck and was choking. In the process of struggling to get free, he dialed nine nine nine, which is the, the English equivalent of nine one one, their emergency services. The operator heard heavy panting and, and somebody <laughs> unable to respond on the other line. Uh, and they got there in like two minutes because they thought people were having sex. <laughs> <laughs> Which is illegal in England. No. Uh, they, uh, they, um, uh, the police came and were just about to break the door. They knocked on the door. Nobody answered. They were just about to break the door. And when the neighbor said, hey, wait a minute, don't do that. I've got a key. So they go in there. And they rush in, they rush right past the dog, and they're, the police are all splitting up, running through the house, looking for somebody in distress. And then the neighbor walks in and sees the dog there and, and rips the phone cord off. And then the police come back in and see what had happened and all just start laughing because, uh, the, you know, the dog, the dog saved his own. You always hear about these uh, stories of, of the dog rescuing the owner. This time, the dog rescued himself. Um, my favorite thing about this, the, the 18-year-old owner, Lydia, uh, said about the dog, um, I'm trying to find the exact quote. Uh, George's owner was amazed uh, when she came to discover the fuss that her pooch would cause. He's not usually very smart, she said. He's really dopey and just likes to chew socks. So that's her quote about her dog. So maybe maybe this this girl shouldn't have kids. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> If you know, if you know you have a dumb animal on your hands, uh, you probably you know should leave loose cords and things you know <laughs> up out of the way. You know anything that he might be able to swallow that he shouldn't. You know things like that. What kind of eighteen-year-old has a phone with a cord on it? That's what I want to know. Oh no, you go go travel around the world. You see all kinds of crazy stuff like that. All of our our rotary phones that you can't you can't find one if you looked for one. They they're off in Europe and Asia and still being used. You got to remember these are the people that still have actually have phone booths. Oh yes, that's true. <laughs> so I just thought that was a funny story. Just uh, you know, he happened to dial the exact set of numbers, and actually, I think that makes a whole lot more sense. Nine 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 because it's easier to press one digit three times than nine one one. I don't know why we made that choice. In, in the U.S., 911. But. Yeah, but I bet we get a heck of a lot fewer uh, misdials you on think? that. Yeah, yeah, I would think because 911, nine, you know, you got to go one digit to another. It's 
Yeah, who knows? Now we had an issue okay. at, our, at our school. Our our cafeteria was extension one eleven, and people and you had to dial nine to get out. And people would sometimes forget, <laughs> and they dial nine to get out, and then start dialing one eleven to get to the cafeteria. And the the and and every freaking time when the operator would answer up, they'd hang up because they were embarrassed. Right? No, the right thing to do is sorry. I made a mistake. It's not an emergency. So then they would call me or, or call the superintendent or somebody, and and like the the police chief would call me because I'm the tech and electrons run through it, so it's mine. And I would have to go pour through the phone system and then go to somebody and say, "Look, I know this was a mistake, but you dialed nine one one. You need to fess up to it. You need to come fill out this form." Um, finally, I just changed the extension to the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark, you you have to you have to reorder your uh, your stories uh, at some point because we're we're going. I just noticed we're going like uh, funny, kind of funny, cute to completely depressing, and then to goofy funny again. What's wrong with that? I mean, that was not an, <laughs> that was not an accident. Okay, okay. I mean, you want to end on something happy, right? Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Although I think the last story you have there, uh, I'm going to end with that one that I'm highlighting right there because the last story in the notes is not one I want to end on. But anyway. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That might make Sean happy. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for that. Uh, well, we'll get there in a minute. Uh, so to the to the... <laughs> to the fifteen hundred so people not looking at the rundown right now, you'll you'll understand in a minute. Uh, so the next thing, is, I'm just filing this under bizarre. Um, a uh, Chinese woman killed herself while chatting on Facebook, and she decided to kill herself by lighting lighting a charcoal fire fire in her room. Um, her name is Claire Lynn. It was her thirty first birthday, March eighteenth. And uh, she was on Facebook chatting with her quote-unquote friends. That's what they call people on Facebook, right? Friends. Um, and she was, she was posting on Facebook. Um, she uploaded a picture from her phone uh, that showed the, uh, the charcoal barbecue burning. Um, and she just showed another uh, picture of the room full of smoke. And uh, a friend uh, on the chat room said, you know, be calm, put out the uh, fire, open the window. And re re the Lynn replied, fumes are suffocating me. They fill my eyes with tears. Don't write anymore. Now, this is an, an English translation. This was all in Chinese. Um, and a few of the friends chatting with her tried to stop, but nobody bothered to call the police or, the, or anybody else. So that, what this illustrates to me is that uh, your Facebook friends aren't your friends. They probably don't even know where you live. So how do they call the police? Um, so her, her last words that she wrote, uh, again, in Chinese were, it's too late. My room is filled with foam fumes. I just posted another picture. Even while I'm dying, I still want Facebook. It must be Facebook poison. Ha ha. And then she died. Yeah, that's a, that story got me thinking. Cause uh, like you said, Mark, I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, you know, I've got hundreds of people on Facebook, uh, you know, and uh, a majority of them I know, you know, fairly well. I went to school with them or whatever. But, yeah, I couldn't tell you where they live now, what their address is, or even give you a phone number for them. Um, now, sometimes people will list some of that, you know, not address information, but maybe a number or something on, on Facebook. But, yeah, I, I was trying to think, well, what if, what if 
that happened to me, what would I be thinking and go through that process? And, uh, yeah, the only thing, the, the only thing I could think of is I'd be sitting there going, well, I guess I, I call the police. Right. I mean, ultimately you, you probably are a little dumbfounded, but ultimately I think most logical people come back to call the police. But nobody did. Not one person. And right. her, her boyfriend, when he came in the next morning and found her, her body, uh, he alerted her family. And then he said he regretted that none of her friends called the police to help during the 67-minute episode. So this wasn't a short time. This was over an hour. And then he added it may have been difficult for them to know her whereabouts. Well, and, you know, another another thing, and this is probably where I would, would have jumped to first, is just posting on my own status, does anybody know this girl? Right. Because, you know, you kind of have circles that are interconnected. So you know her, but you might also be friends with eight people that are also friends of hers. And ultimately, you start spreading that word. It's going to spread very quickly what's going on. And somebody who is very close to her will find out about it. You know, seems like, uh, yeah. A uh, little social networking would have had that wrapped up in about 10 minutes. Now, if I, I'm putting myself in this situation, and if one of my Facebook friends had done this, I would have thought it was a joke. I wouldn't have taken it seriously. Well, no, but she was posting. I mean, she was posting uh, pictures. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I might have thought, you know, she's delusional or demented or just, you know, looking for attention or something. But when I started seeing pictures of a room filling with smoke, right. you know. Chuck, you have something well, to say? The part that I'm curious about is that she's in, it doesn't say whether she's in an apartment or house or whatever. How come nobody around the building noticed the smoke or anything like that? I don't know. Maybe in China it's common for people to have smoky. You know, maybe they cook <laughs> in their kitchens. I, I don't know. Yeah, actually, that is somewhat true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, it, and it, I. Go ahead, Jim. Go ahead, Mark. Okay. I, well, completely different thing I'm thinking is. If somebody did call the police, not knowing where she was at, I mean, we might be able to figure out how to track back her IP address, the back address, or whatever. But would they have the capability right. to? And and could you do it in less than an hour? Yeah. Well, remember, we are talking about China. I mean, and Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, China. If if it's on the internet in China, China, they know about it, right? They know. And they, uh, they know exactly how to, you know, I mean, they are the king of the world of being able to track what you do on the internet. Oh, wait, wait, my, I, I misspoke. It's Taiwan. It's not China. So oh, okay. It's a, it's a different thing. It's my fault. Well, then I retract my previous statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taiwan is much more modern and liberal in terms of their internet use. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's uh that's a head scratcher right there. And and you know, can you, the people who were chatting with her, I, it doesn't say how many, but can you imagine the the guilt they have to live with now? So right. To find out that this person literally was dying and they either didn't take it seriously or or chose not to act on it. I could see some of them egging her on. Yeah, I I could too. You know, this the one thing about texting and the internet is it gives you a great anonymity. And so, you know, some people are getting their jollies off of that. Uh so uh I, I think I'll try to I'll make a smooth attempt to move us along and uh into the next highbrow in depth 
conversation. Yeah, this is this is this is seriously philosophical. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> Geneticists turn their attention to cow farts. All right, it's a it's a complete showdown. We went there. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, one of the great problems that needs to be solved is that cows fart too much. <laughs> So we're looking at genetically engineering fart-free cows. Wow. So I could see McDonald's later on down the line advertising fart-free beef. We use 100% vegetable oil, no trans fats, and only fart-free beef. So apparently the... the the uh, fumes that come out of the other end are not enough of a problem. They've well, no, that's to- that's in there too. I'm choosing to focus on that. But the uh, the idea is that uh, cows produce uh, uh, methane, and there's lots of cows in the world. If we can make cows that produce less methane, yada yada yada. Here's my I have one word rebuttal to that. One volcano. There are volcanoes erupting all over the planet, 24 hours a day, and every one of them belches out more methane than every cow throughout the history of time has ever produced. Why don't we produce fart-free volcanoes? Let's let's work on that. <laughs> I'm just, just wondering, you, what do you put on your resume as having done? <laughs> <laughs> How do you list this? I mean, what do you put? Uh, we, uh, we sniffed cow butts. Okay, yeah. <laughs> essentially... Or, or, you know, I design highly sensitive butt-sniffing equipment for use in, in this, this I- issue. So I'm yeah. not even going to bother putting that in the show titles because I know we can't list it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the, the genetically modifying cows so that they burp and fart less is one of 40 initiatives to reduce emissions being considered by the cattle and sheep industry. Researchers are investigating the merits of selective breeding to alter the genetic makeup of certain breeds of cows and sheep. The new breeds would produce much less methane in a bid to reduce the impact of farming on the environment. The research is part of 100 initiatives uh, dubbed Target 100 aimed at delivering sustainable cattle and sheep farming by 2020. Uh, I'm well, until they get there, I'll just continue to eat more steak. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, the reduced uh, uh, smell factor. You know, you go too close to a cattle ranch, and it's it's pretty rancid. So uh, who cares about the actual methane output? Just, the, you know, not having to put up with that. Yeah, I mean, fartless, I'm all for anti-farting. <laughs> I mean, but we have Beano already, and it works. Just give the cows some Beano, and there'll be no gas. <laughs> That's the, that's the whole motto, right? Be no before, there'll be no gas. Element OP Productions presents the periodic table brought to you by Beano. <laughs> that, that would be a good sponsor. I'll have to contact them. <laughs> yeah, but then we wouldn't be full of hot air anymore. So that's Beano and uh, what, maybe like Farmer John or something. Uh, anybody who makes uh, bacon. Uber geek in the chat room says people who build houses next to pastures are nuts. Hey man, where I live, you can't build not next to a pasture. Right. <laughs> if you're building a house, it's next to a pasture. 
There's a th- 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 that reminds me of uh, in Central California where uh, most of California's agriculture occurs. Uh, there, I mean, you can literally uh, Highway Five, which is the main uh, highway that runs north south in California, uh, runs right up through the Central Valley, and there are periods of hours that you can drive on highway five and it it's just horrible rolling the windows up doesn't work turning off the vents i mean it's just you you you're done with your drive and you smell like a cattle ranch so uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, around here where, where i live it, i mean dairy industry is pretty big and i uh, in college i worked on some dairy farms and i mean you're literally wading hip deep in stuff i mean that's that's not a not an exaggeration uh, but, uh, you know, farmers around here say, that's the smell of money, boy. You see that? That's the smell <laughs> of money. Now that is true. <laughs> okay. So moving right along, um, this was, this is one that actually, uh, Christy Vincent, who was here for half of the show last week, uh, uh, brought on and, uh, apparently she likes sausage stories. So, uh, we have another uh, sausage is she story. Still talking to you. <laughs> well, um, the restraining order is not yet uh, official. So, wow. No. I, now I'm really, I, now I can't wait yeah. to hear what happened. So not only is this uh, a sausage, it's a giant sausage, because sometimes a woman needs a giant sausage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Texas Rangers. Um, <laughs> What's your wife going to do, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> not going there. Um, so here's a, a new menu item. Um called and i'm looking for it i'm looking for it where i lost it already um oh i forget it uh it's a giant hot dog that costs 26 dollars um and it's a one pound hot dog uh the concessionaire or the champion hot dog that's what it is so so yeah. the club's concessionaire introduced the new champion hot dog on friday for for uh uh the the opening day at the ballpark officials say the dog can feed three to four people and will be topped with chili, onions, shredded cheese, and comes on two feet of bun. So this hot dog is roughly the size of a baseball bat. And then there's a picture of it here that I will uh, put in the chat room and, of course, in the show notes. Uh, but uh, uh, this giant two-pound hot dog for $26. And really, when you think about it, uh, at the ballpark in Arlington, a regular hot dog is $18. So this is a bargain. <laughs> right. <laughs> It'd be fifty dollars if Jerry Jones owned the Rangers. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So. And it would only be a foot long. It wouldn't be two feet. <laughs> oh, there's a t- show title, and it would only be a foot long. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Um moving right along from the giant sausage story. Um to uh a Houston school, actually outside of Houston, uh Houston, uh New Caney ISD. I know people from New Caney. It's a good school. Um, now, now I, I'm going to preface this by saying that what is said in the story is clearly taken out of context. So yes, I agree with that. So uh, there, there, there is there is definitely more than what we're being told here. But uh, the a mother of a child who has cerebral palsy is filing a lawsuit because New Caney ISD told her that her five year old daughter couldn't use her walker at school. She has one of those collapsible walkers that fold up on her. And apparently at some point she had uh, an accident. The walker, walker fold, folded up on her and she fell. Um, and the school is saying you can't use a walker. Now, the, the, the no, mother, they're not saying you right, can't well, use a walker. You can't use that walker. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. The mother is saying you can't use a walker. 
but I suspect it's really, you can't use that walker. And the idea is, is their story is it's not safe. So you can't use that. And so uh, basically they're saying you have to buy a new walker or, and you can't, you can't come to school because the kid can't walk without it. So you, you essentially you're being denied access to school until such time as you bring a new walker. Now this is or or something uh, a wheelchair yeah right. but that that walker and that's really how it was presented there's it's a there's a recorded phone call and it is presented to her as that walker is not safe right and she she yeah can't go back with that that particular walker there are but they of- are yeah they are pre- the stories being presented in many different uh uh media streams as uh yeah uh a walker Right. Um, now, there are, maybe they will provide her a walker. I know a lot of schools will. Uh, my school has wheelchairs and, and crutches and things like that. If you, if you don't have one, if, you're, if you need one, uh, we, we'll let you use one. We won't give you one, but we'll let you use one. I know that there are um, uh, co-ops, Texas mom in the chat room, saying if there's a co-op in the area, and that's, we, that's Texas. That's the way they do things. They will give her a walker. Uh, there, are, there are places you can go. Uh, but the the, uh, the tape that the mom produced uh, asked the question, um, uh, they said, you sh- your child fell down. She said, how many kids fall down on the playground every day? Do you tell them they can't come back to school until they get new shoes? So her issue is, I don't want to have to change anything. And the school's issue is, this is a safety concern. If the kid gets really hurt, we're in trouble. So uh, looking at it from a balanced view, I look at it as this is no different than the story we had about uh, last week about the the purple hair. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a dress code issue at that point. The school can decide uh, more or less what a student is allowed to bring to school. Now, now they, they can't say this student can't use any type of walker, but I think it's okay for them to say you can't use that walker, but they, then they have to turn around, I think, and say, here's a walker. Right. Right. I mean, under our current system, uh, like Texas mom said, I mean, there's, there are, there are means of getting that child a walker. Um, I mean, surely if the district was, uh, you know, if, if insurance was even giving her a hard time, I'm sure the district could come with some paperwork and say, you know, she really needs to be prescribed a new walker. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things, you know, if people would be, uh, just use a little bit more common sense on both sides, you know, but the, everybody gets up in arms so quickly about things now and, uh, you know, don't just work towards a resolution Yeah, because I'm sure the, the, the district official is not totally not at fault because right. it, it was kind of a, in a, it, at least that part of the conversation was somewhat abrasive, but, uh, but who knows? I mean, like you said, we're not getting the whole story. Maybe he had been dealing with this lady for months and he was telling, he's been telling her this and, you know, right. so maybe that's frustration that you're hearing, uh, more than anything. I don't know. Yeah, Caitlin in the chat room says that you'd think the mom would be a bit more concerned that her child uh, is, has a walker that can collapse on her and cause her harm, uh, whether she's at school or anywhere else. Um, you know, I, I don't know with the information that's present, presented, I don't know what the right thing is here. But I think it's clear that the kid needs a walker and the kid should have a walker. Uh, but I think it's okay for the school to have some say in what the walker is. Maybe, maybe not, but... I, I think I think they have some standing there. Well, yeah, I mean, think about it this way. Uh, don't schools also have an obligation to keep children safe? And if they feel like they 
are at any time in danger or even in an unsafe environment at home, they're required to report it, right? Yeah. Texas mom. So, I mean, there is says, some requirement on the district part to keep that child safe. Texas mom in the chat room says something that I was thinking too, that she doesn't want her child to be um, singled out. You know, she's already the different kid. She's already the kid who can't walk, the kid who needs a walker. So let's not make it any worse by saying the walker she has isn't acceptable. As a parent, I can see that. I understand that mindset. Well, um, yeah. So, uh, so record the call and put it on YouTube. Right. That's the appropriate thing to do. <laughs> Well, and see, the mom was interviewed this morning on the Today Show, and that's what she was saying was that, you know, the child, uh, when she adopted the child, uh, the child wasn't even expected to be this far along developmentally at this age. And so uh, she didn't, she felt like that if the child was put back into a wheelchair, that that would stunt her, uh, her desire, I guess, to, to, you know, express her independence. And so, you know, I can kind of see the mom's point of view, but then the naturally the lawyer for the school district also appeared on the show. And what she was saying was that they're trying to work with the mom, but the doctor, they haven't gotten anything from the doctor yet to say how they should uh, proceed. So like Sean was saying, you know, everybody is up in arms and nobody's really working to, you know, come to a, a workable solution for all involved is the sense I get from it. Chuck, you were saying? Well, she also appears to be going the wrong direction with us. You would think rather than suing, wanting to sue the school, she'd go back to the manufacturer of the walker. That's what I would think. Is go back to them and want to know, okay, it collapsed. Why is this doing this? And you need to get it fixed. You know, that would be the the better approach to it. I'll buy the kid a walker. Just send me your address. I'll buy you a walker. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be a 10,000 hit YouTube video. Okay, I guess we're done with that. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my my favorite one. Um, years ago uh, in Texas, uh, or in the U.S. rather, it was made illegal to uh, sell cigarettes in vending machines because you can't verify that somebody is of the certain age. New England has a vending machine handing out weed. How cool No, is no, New Zealand. New Zealand, I'm sorry, not New England, New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> My, my masses, all the Taiwan tech listeners are moving to New England. <laughs> you got Californians leaving in mass. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I misspoke there. New Zealand. Uh, apparently, there's such a thing as a cannabis club. Um, and and in, in Auckland, New Zealand, um, the Doctory Club in West Auckland has been using, this is hilarious, been using the machine to avoid anybody being charged with dealing the drug. There's nobody dealing this drug. It's just in this machine here, and you put your money in. So you know there are no drug dealers. The guy who stocks the machine isn't responsible. The guy who owns the machine, no, of course not. There's no drug dealer here. So I don't know how the rules work in New Zealand, but apparently that's a loophole around them. The, the vending machine usually ordinarily filled, filled with candy or toys uh, dispenses one gram, one gram dime bags, one gram bags of cannabis for 10 pounds. So it's a dime bag dispenser. You know, they say that the, uh, the police continue to watch this club. I th I'm thinking they're, they're trying to catch somebody filling this machine. You know, like if they can catch somebody actually filling it, then then they can bust that person. But uh, if they can't catch anybody filling it, then you can't charge anybody for for dealing. I guess so. Or that's or, genius if yeah. if that's the way the laws work there. 
I'm thinking this this would be a grocery store owner's dream because you get the pot machine out there and then they get the munchies. <laughs> so, I mean, you figure you're making a fortune off of this. Yeah, that's Professor Messer in the chat room says the machine right next to it needs to be full of Doritos. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah, if I owned a restaurant in New Zealand, I'd have a pot machine out front. Absolutely. You know, and so come in, get your pot, and then come in and have a burger. Oh, man, that's awesome. But it's got to be from from low-emission cows. <laughs> yeah, Fart-free burgers right here. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to skip that one and come back to it. Um, here's an interesting story. That reminded me of a former, um, oh gosh, I'm gonna gonna blank on this former secretary of something who was indicted uh, on a, 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 a racketeering thing and later was acquitted. And his famous quote was, "Where, where what office do I t go to to get my um, uh, reputation back?" Uh, here's a woman in uh, Georgia. Um, she she refused to give her name for good reason. Um, was uh, arrested and accused of child abuse. Um, but later found out that the welts and bruises on her body turned out to be an allergic reaction to antibiotics. She was acquitted. No, uh, the charges were all dropped. It was fine, but there's still an arrest record out there. And now this woman uh, can't get a job. She says she can't volunteer at her school's uh, activities because every time they do a background check, they found that she was arrested for child abuse. Uh, she has to uh, uh, call up um and let them know ahead that she's coming. She has to get clearance to participate in, in any sort of activities. Um, and she's asking to remove the reputation, the, the, the record that she was ever arrested, that there was ever an investigation, uh, from the record. And in, uh, in Georgia, at least, I don't know about the rest of the country, but in Georgia, it's the public defenders or the, the, yeah, the public, the, the, the I'm sorry, the prosecution, the district attorneys, essentially, who decide what gets blotted from the record and what doesn't. And so basically this is somebody who lost the case. They made, they, they had, they had press charges. They had made an arrest and then either the, the case was lost or they decided to drop it or whatever. But they well, and this was up. a pretty clear one because it was proven that her daughter had those bruises and welts from a, a drug reaction. Right. It, I mean, it was, so it was cut and dry. It wasn't, you know, alleged and they didn't have enough proof. This was a cut and dry case. Yeah. So I, I just, uh, it, it reminds me that I, I mean, I hear this sort of stuff all the time, like OJ Simpson, for example, you know, bad case example, whatever, most of the world thinks he's guilty, but under the eyes of the law, he's, he's innocent of that crime period. End of discussion. But here's a man who is very publicly, everybody thinks he's guilty. And his career was ruined because of it, what career he had left. His, uh, everything was wrong. But under the eyes of the law, he is an innocent man. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a, there's a quote in this story that actually is a, is a almost totally valid point uh, for the other side of the argument, which is, you know, we have to have, uh, you know, we have these open record acts and things like that so that we can basically police our our public systems you know so we can make sure that our 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 legal system is operating uh, appropriately and things like that uh which I, I i agree with that statement to a certain degree but when it comes to something like this there's got to be a better way 
So obviously, if she was found innocent, um, then okay, fine. You can keep the facts of the case out there and documentation and everything else, but you know, maybe strike her name from from uh, all instances of it or something. There's got to be a way uh, to where you can protect her privacy and yet still have that openness. Well, I think the interesting quote is the one in there from uh, was it Repo- Representative Jay Neal says, "In the United States, we are presumed innocent until proven guilty." But when it comes to seeking employment, that presumption goes away upon ar- arrest. Yep. Right. Now, you know, if you've ever filled out a job application, one of the lines there is, have you ever been convicted of a, a felony? And I always am tempted every time I see that to write convicted, question mark. Um, right. But but that's really what happens because they're going to do their background check and they're going to see an arrest record and they're not going to look any farther. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a problem with our system that, uh, you know, this woman for the rest of her life is a child abuser. Whether she is or not, everybody who looks at that is going to say she's a child abuser. I, I don't want her near my children. So let's say she does get uh, um, notice, she clears it with the school uh, to be a, a room mom or whatever. Well, all it takes is for one of the other moms to read her name in in some, you know, Wikipedia article or whatever. Um, and then, you know, it all starts all over again, even though she cleared it with, uh, with the administration, she's never yeah. going to live the fact down that she was arrested for child abuse. It doesn't matter that she didn't do it. She was arrested for it. Yeah. And I, I really do think that this is as simple as, you know, when you have a case, you have some sort of unique case identifier, some sort of number There probably already exists a number like that. You, you include all documentation uh, with that number in some sort of an archive, but that archive copy removes any personal information, personal right. identifying information of that person. And then, you know, uh, maybe in a sealed file that the public doesn't have access to, then you, you still maintain that identity information uh, should it ever, you know, need to be used at a later time or something. But, you know, it, that seems like an easy fix in this situation. You have the public openness uh, so that our, our, our government entities are transparent, but you still protect the, the privacy of the individual. Right. Now, I know a man um, near where I live who, uh, an upright, righteous man who had been a, a Boy Scout troop leader for like 30 years, and a child, a Boy Scout, accused him of molestation. That was front page news all over the place. What was 10th page just before the one ad news was a month later when the child admitted to making it up and there was no evidence and he was completely acquitted and all charges dropped. Um, he is now no longer allowed to be a Boy Scout troop leader. Um, and in the eyes of everybody who was alive during that time, he's a, uh, he's a raper. He has raped young boys. The fact is it never happened. And the kid admitted it never happened. And the police did an investigation, could find zero evidence that it ever happened. But that, that does, that's the problem with the way we report news. We don't report news that exonerates people. That, that doesn't get any attention. We report uh, a Boy Scout leader rapes kid. And then we make a bare mention of it in the errata section that later, not erotic, errata, that, uh, <laughs> that later he was, uh, he was acquitted. Well, and you take that a step further, too, in both of those cases, even if you put it on front page news that they were both not guilty, or innocent, you know, not not just not guilty, but innocent. 
and you clear the records, you seal the records, whatever, because of the internet age, you do a search, you're going to find it. So there's no way to ever complete. Once you're arrested at, at this point in our history, there's no way to get it completely eradicated. Yeah, I don't know that it had any really good commentary. It just sort of ticked me off. So yeah, I, I don't blame you. Okay, our, well, that's a good downer. Yeah. Okay. Are we done? Are we down to the last story? I think we are. No, no. You you missed you missed one. Which one? The lizard. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the last story. That's one that I was going to do last. Oh no. Oh okay. okay. No. Yeah. We didn't this, talk about the cowboys. This, yet. this one. This next one that I don't want to do. But Sean put it in there. So <laughs> Why we'll do, do you it. not want to do this story? This is, I figured you would love this. No, no. I, or is it because the, by virtue of who is the Cowboys exactly. fan? I, it's, I, it doesn't have anything to do with it. Okay. Um, a, a <laughs> oh, death, like anything we cover on this show has anything to do with anything. No, it's no. Does that make here, sense? Uh, here's, my, here's, here's my point, and I'll, I'll explain it. But first, let me read the story. Uh, a Texas convicted uh, death row inmate, um, his last words... After the lethal injection, as he was being put to death uh, earlier this week, were go Cowboys. Um, the, here's the reason I didn't want to do this story. This man is a scumbag. You read the you read the report. He does not deserve any attention at all. We shouldn't be glamorizing him after his death, regardless of what he did. Okay. I yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll give you that. I just, you know. <laughs> I love the dig at Cowboys fans personally. <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is who Cowboys fans are, ladies and gentlemen. They're they're people who beat children to death, which is what this man did. You heard it from Mark Cockrell. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's Mark at elementop.com. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, as I've ne uh, as every inmate or almost all, every inmate, he he came to God. During his time on death row, and his last words were, you know, uh, 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 God bless everybody, continue to walk with God. Um, and then moments later, he shouted, go Cowboys. And then he fell asleep, and then he died. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, you know, and that's a fan. <laughs> you got to give him credit. That's a fan. <laughs> Somebody needs to let Jerry know. Yeah, yeah, maybe he could be the 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 poster child on their next advertising campaign. You know, that wouldn't even have made any kind of news at all, though, if he was a Raiders fan. <laughs> so <laughs> it just goes to show that not all the thugs, uh, that are football fans are on the field. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I just, we, we spend a lot of time on the show too much, in my opinion, talking about, uh, really bad people. Uh, so I, I didn't, I didn't, I saw the story and then, uh, Pete in the chat room sent me the story and then Sean put it in the notes and I was like, okay, fine. If, if that many people want to talk about it, we will, but I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. No, no <laughs> Bronco fan would do anything crazy like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bronco fans can't form that many syllables. <laughs> <laughs> I like Galen's comment in chat room. That would be known as a diehard fan. Oh. <laughs> oh. That was unsavory. Okay. Okay, but let's move on to <laughs> yeah, some good quality one, news. My, yes, this is high quality, highbrow news. And I'm titling this one, Will You Marry Me? No, my lizard is sick. Um, <laughs> in London, a British woman... Uh, has had to postpone, I can't even read this story with a straight face, 
has had to postpone her wedding after spending more than $4,700 on chemotherapy for her pet lizard. <laughs> how, how is that not happening in the United States? That's, that's the one thing. That's the real thing that surprised me about this story is that it didn't come from, uh, you know, the, the U.S. somewhere. Florida. Florida. That, that's a Florida yeah. story. That's a Florida story. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, Lizzie Griff Griffiths, 25 years old of London, said she adopted George, her bearded dragon, last year and decided to postpone her wedding to Chris Fisher so she could spend their saved cash to treat the reptile's cancer. Chris knows that George will always come first, Griffith said. I fell in love with George the minute I knew, uh, saw him and knew I'd do anything to look after him properly. So right now, we can't afford a wedding. Griffith said George, who became the first bearded dragon in Britain to undergo chemotherapy, is now in remission. And Chris Fisher says he understands that George will always be Lizzie's number one. Come on, you know he's going, whoo! Wow, <laughs> dodged a bullet there. I do not want to marry this insane woman now. $4,700 on lizard chemotherapy. Lizards are what, like 50 bucks at the pet store? You could buy a thousand lizards for that. I don't know. Element 747 in the chat room uh, apparently loves them. Do you know how much they run? Well, apparently they don't run much when they have cancer. Um, so, <laughs> Yeah, $50. So you were right on, Mark. Yeah. So I'm thinking that's got to be like a $20,000 lizard before I'm <laughs> spending four grand to save its life. And how do you even, I mean, uh, I, presumably, do vets have chemotherapy materials? I, I would I would assume no. So they've got to go to a hospital. Well, it's just a needle right? and, uh, you know, I mean. But they've got to get the, the drugs. And I mean, how does the vet? Yes, I'm Dr. So-and-so, the doctor of veterinary medicine. I'd like to order this vial of, of radiation treatment and chemotherapy drug. How, <laughs> how does that conversation even go? I think it's more like, how do you know how much to give them? Because it's probably the same thing you put in a human, right? right I mean, it's yeah. this cocktail of poison, essentially. But, uh, yeah. I guess maybe you just start off with a really, really, really tiny amount. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, they it. usually say like so many micrograms per kilo. Okay. He weighs like one eighth of a kilo. So, uh, I can't imagine 4,700 sounds really expensive. They couldn't have given him more than a thimble full of it. Right. And, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking that the groom, I'm sure at least contributed something to that 4,700. And that means some of his money also went to this lizard. Oh no! Yeah. See that—that's not. -uh. That yeah. deserves what he gets. Yeah. Well, he does. Well, I'm sorry, but if you, <laughs> if you willingly give know. up some of your money well, for that cause, then you, you know you deserve it at that point. But men yeah. do stupid things for women, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm guessing this one's not hot. <laughs> <laughs> the man or the woman. <laughs> both yeah um no there there's a picture assuming it's actually her in the picture she's not a bad looking woman uh let's see where did i see this at the bottom of this article it must have been in another article i was gonna say i didn't remember seeing a where, picture with this article picture of her. uh but yeah um there's just there's so many things wrong with that so last week we were choking goats this week we're performing <laughs> chemotherapy on lizards <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> so, so we're trying to kill goats, but we like lizards. Yeah. So, so, uh, so I guess the groom is so mad he could choke a goat. Right? That's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That's it. That's our rundown. We're done. I'm tired of you. I'm tired of the show. No, that was a lot of fun, folks. Um, oh, yes, and don't forget we're reducing cow farts. This has been a very ecologically conscious show. We're saving animals. We're saving the environment. We're giving kids uh, walkers. You know, we're good people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is the part where we uh, tell people <laughs> where we tell people how they can uh, um, stalk us, find uh, yeah, find us, and and tell us how much they love farting cows. And uh, so we'll start uh, we'll start with you, our new guy to the to the show, Chuck Jolly. How can people contact you? I'm Do you not want sure people I want to contact people contacting me after this. Uh, I would be nightstar at gmail dot com. And you'll have to figure out how to spell it. Yes. I don't want nobody contacting me after farting cows. I'm sorry. All right, Mr. Jim Beeson, Redneck Geek. How can people find you? Uh, RedneckGeekTX at gmail.com. Jim Beeson on Facebook. uh, Jim Beeson on Twitter. All right, Mr. Kybel. Uh, yeah, you can look me up at Facebook, Sean Kybel. Uh You can contact me on Twitter. It's uh, at SeanTX. Uh, I'm on the Google Plus as well. Uh, so pretty much if you uh, just go out there, Google my name, you'll find many ways to contact me. Uh, but the best way, especially if you're looking to give me some feedback or info for this show or any of our other shows, uh, is Sean at ElementOP.com. And once you're at elementop.com, you can find our other podcasts there that are do not talk about fart-free beef ever. <laughs> I can guarantee you we have never choked a goat, measured cow farts, uh, or anything else of that nature on any of our other shows. Just this So check them out there. We have uh, five other shows that, you know, maybe some of them you'll like, maybe not. Uh, my name is Mark Cockrell. You can find me at elementop.com. That's sort of my home on the web. Uh, and so there you go. I'm, I'm pulling the plug on it. <laughs> that ends this episode of The Periodic Table.